Hey, welcome to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. My name is Dr. Dan, longtime sports medicine physician with Texas Sports Spine, bringing you your sports medicine radio show, Docs and Jocks, every week here, straight out of the Forge Abilene. If you just catch our show for the very first time and want to find out more about our radio show, you can do so by going to docsandjocks.com, D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com. Also, listen to our show anytime, anywhere by going to uh, Docs and Jocks on your iTunes podcast and listen to our show there by subscribing to it, and we'd love to have you part of our show that way as well. Every week, I'm uh, joined by my co-host, Ferris Potter. He is a sports broadcast for Grand Canyon University, and he's out traveling with them this week. So we have in studio my producer, Brandon Hawk. Brandon is a former Dallas Cowboy and Texas Tech Red. Raider athletic trainer. Hawk, great to have you on the show today. Yeah, Dr. Dan, super excited to be here with you. Yeah, it's a little happy sad. Hawk is actually uh, heading off to Knoxville, uh, Tennessee, where his lovely wife, Caitlin, and their two uh, lovely children, Adeline and Cadence, are heading off to uh, start her into law school. So it's actually his last week in studio with in us. Still be, still be running our show, producing our show. You can do that from anywhere. And, uh, man, we want to say uh, thank you for all you've done here, Hawk, on being our producer of the last, gosh, man, been with me now nearly five years, I think, something crazy. But, uh, man, I wish the best to you and your family. I appreciate that, Dr. Dan. It's going to be weird not seeing you. I know. But uh, I'll probably see you through a computer screen from yeah, now on. Yeah, we'll be so. Skyping it, yeah. So, yeah. hey, also this weekend, I want to say, uh, man, we want to give out a special thanks to all those um, – military personnel that we have lost over the years who gave their lives uh, in pursuit and uh, in continuation of our freedom, the great freedom we have in the greatest uh, country in the United States of America, the greatest country ever formed. And uh, there are plenty of lives that have been given, and uh, I never want to forget that freedom is not free. And so we're going to have on uh, Master Sergeant David Smith, one of the uh, Golden Knights of the U.S. Army, who was a Special Forces guy in the U.S. Army, did some incredible missions, and talking to him, because I think coming from him, we'll uh, know better what it means to be uh, this Memorial Day weekend and those that we should remember. So we're going to have him coming up after this short commercial break here coming up. But I do want to say uh, thank you to all our wonderful guests we're going to have on today, including Tom Lewis, who is a 40-year, yes, I said 40-year athletic trainer at the high school level. He uh, just recently uh, this year gave up uh, that gig at Graham, where he's been, uh, Graham, Texas, where he's been an athletic trainer there for 33 years. As always, we have on the lovely Miss Tracy Munton will bring, be bringing us our Mental Strength Minute, talking about how we can use our mental strength to improve our athletic endeavors. Uh, she's at the Edge Mental Strength uh, program here out of D1, I'm sorry, the Forge training facility here in Abilene. <laughs> also want to say thank you to uh, Danielle Manning, who's coming up, uh, NFL Pro Bowl safety, 11-year veteran in the NFL. Danielle Manning is going to be coming back and uh, joining us here on Docs and Jocks, former Chicago Bear, Houston Texans. So all that and more here on Docs and Jocks. Hey, we'll be right back. Caller, you're on the air. My girlfriend beat me playing one-on-one. Ooh, sounds like you need to hit up a sport clip for an awesome haircut experience and some quality man time. I don't know. My girlfriend always takes me to her salon. Nonsense. Be your own man and get a great haircut in a guy-friendly place from stylists who know what guys need. You may be right. Sure I'm right. Now grab your Y chromosome, get down to sport clips, and ask for the MVP. Sport clips. It's good to be a guy. No one burns calories like Firehouse Subs. Introducing our hearty and flavorful under 500 calorie menu. Steaming hot sriracha beef, hook and ladder light, turkey cranberry, and more. Six new subs, four new salads, overflowing with flavor under 500 calories. And starting at only $5.49. Under 500 calories never tasted so hearty and flavorful. Firehouse Subs. One bite, one taste, you're hooked. 
Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. Man, it is so great to have you with us today. Hey, what we do here on our Docs and Jocks sports medicine radio show is talk about what's going on in the sports medicine world. We do it uh, by talking about maybe your favorite player or your favorite team that has uh, had an injury that they've uh, been dealing with, and we talk about what's going on in the sports medicine world. This, this Memorial Day weekend is very, very special. My dad was a World War II vet, a Korean uh, War uh, vet, and uh, I have lost my dad in the last few years, and I miss him dearly. And uh, so I thought we would get on uh, someone who will give us a better perspective about what it means to be, uh, what it means to him uh, as far as Memorial Day. Uh, we have on good on the air here with us a good friend of ours, uh, Master, former Master Sergeant uh, David Smith. David is part of the Golden Knights, the uh, parachute uh, group that uh, flew for the uh, United States Army. Uh, David was involved in some of the uh, biggest conflicts you've heard of. He was part of the uh, second wave getting ready to go into Iran back when we had the Iran hostage uh, crisis. I uh, remember the first one uh, failed, and they were getting ready to send a second group of Americans in, and David had volunteered to do that. And so, David, uh, uh, I think we have you online here. Uh, Master Sergeant David Smith, are you online with us? Sure. Yeah, so I thought uh, Memorial Day just be nice to take a minute here on Docs and Josh. We are Sports Medicine Radio Show. You were both an athlete with the Golden Knights as well as served in the military. And I want to say thank you from all of us here at Docs and Josh for that time served. But tell us what it means to you, uh, Memorial Day, when this weekend comes up each year. Well, it's one of those things that kind of gets you in the gut because being in the military and being in different countries around the world and seeing what life is like there and then comparing that to what we enjoy yes. in America. Absolutely. Uh, the freedoms, the uh, the ability for you and I to talk, to have our own phones, to drive our own cars. Uh, it's it's something that if unless you go to another country and see what life is like, you can't appreciate it. And uh, the biggest impact is going to Arlington National Cemetery. Oh, yes, absolutely. And seeing all those headstones and realizing those guys and gals uh, died for our country, for our freedom, so that we have the ability uh, to worship where we please, to uh, gather where we please, to say what we please. And it, talking to a person, a young lady, uh, several years ago who came to the United States to visit, uh, she was amazed that we could drive from state to state without having to show our papers. Wow, yeah, exactly. And, and it's amazing yeah. uh, the freedoms that we have and the people that made this sacrifice, paid the ultimate price uh, for us to have those freedoms. I think that's very well said, and I, I just want to say uh, once again, thank you from all of us here in Docs and Jocks. And as you go through your Memorial Weekend and you are uh, enjoying your time at the lake or at the barbecue or with your family, Please, please think of those great men and women that died serving in our military so that we can have these freedoms that David Smith just described so eloquently. So, uh, David, thank you so much for coming on uh, Docs and Jocks. I thought coming from you that would mean a whole lot more than coming from myself. But uh, I want to say thank you to your service, to your country, and all the great uh, things you did in uh, service to your country as well as uh, the uh, years you spent in the Golden Knights doing the coolest uh, parachuting group ever in the, United, in the history of the world, probably. Hey, what does it make you feel like with the Golden Knights uh, now, the Las Vegas Golden Knights being playing for the Stanley Cup? I mean, their expansion team for one year, the Las Vegas Golden Knights, I mean, they've taken your uh, you know, your, your moniker, and now they've made it world famous. Yeah, uh, imitation is a sincerest form of flattery. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on the air today. Uh-huh, sure. All right. Hey, I want to say, uh, 
Man, Hawk, that's a special moment for sure, Being uh, talking to David Smith. We've had him on the show many times, but I think uh, we never, ever want to overlook what those men and women have done for us. And they, in my mind, the people when we talk to uh, Special Forces, uh, people we've had on the show here on Docs and Jocks, it's been amazing. They're not just uh, people in the military. They are true athletes. Yeah. They put in the training. They put in the mental toughness uh, time. They put in – uh, they work on their nutrition. Everything that you see in a great athlete on a football field, those same special forces guys and military uh, men, women in the military, they're doing those same things every day to protect our freedoms. It's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, Dr. Dan, it's pretty crazy. These guys are practicing for war. You know, we put so much yeah. into these NFL athletes, Major League Baseball athletes, hockey athletes. They're grind day to day. But these guys on the grind day to day, they're practicing for war, like real yeah. life war, not just yeah. a game. Yeah, I remember going to. Uh, <clears throat> We would always say in the locker room a lot of times, hey, look, we're going to battle. <laughs> yeah. Really, we're not. We're not going to battle because there's no risk of one, well, minimal, I should say, uh, risk of one of us dying. So, yeah, we're not out there purposely trying to kill each other. Those guys are truly going to war for us, and we remember the greatest, the ultimate sacrifice some of them have made, and that's what we do here on uh, Memorial Day weekend. So, once again, awesome. thank you from all of us here at Docs and Jocks for the great uh, sacrifices, those uh, families who have uh, experienced that even recently where their loved ones, loved ones didn't come home. So, thank you so much. Hey, uh, Hawk, I thought we could talk about uh, the NBA real quick, man. The NBA right now has uh, some amazing things going on. We see the Rockets and the Celtics right now are looking like they could possibly be in the NBA Finals. We say that with a little bit of, uh, you know, anticipation because now we see that the Houston Rockets are going to be without Chris Paul, their star point guard, after he suffered a, a hamstring injury in, in the end of Game 5 in the last minute. It's now been reported that he will not be playing Game 6, being played on Saturday night. And so without Chris Paul, that's a different team altogether. He was James Harden in Game 5, really did not have his best game. That's really a nice way of saying it. He kind of stunk it up a little bit from the from shooting. And uh, Chris Paul's the guy who came in and gave him the spark that got him over the hump. Do you think the Houston Rockets are going to be able to uh, overcome the great Golden State Warriors without Chris Paul at the helm? I, th- I think that's going to be really tough, Dr. Dan. I, I feel like, you know, as we talk about a lot in, in sports, it, their game's a momentum. And I feel like Chris Paul missing this game might take some of the momentum away from the Houston Rockets. Uh, I feel like the Golden State Warriors are just super stacked over there. And a lot of their guys are now healthy. You know, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, these guys are getting healthier. And so uh, I think this is going to be a big hit. But, uh, you know, obviously they – probably going to play seven games so uh you know it'd be interesting to see if chris paul can come back for uh, game seven and give them a yeah. chance let's talk to our listening audience a little bit about hamstring injuries and uh, hawk was an athletic trainer and i'm a sports medicine physician so one of the banes of our existence is hamstring injuries because they are so common they happen uh spontaneously with no evidence of any like you don't see it coming on every now and then you'll get a guy who says he feels a slight twinge and so you hold him out in hopes that he doesn't have a severe one and so uh, Chris Paul has an injury that he limps off the field or limps off the court. He's not able to come back. Rarely are you able to come back in a very short time frame from a hamstring injury. You can have them in different places. You can have a very high hamstring injury, which is up where your hamstring, which is the muscle in the back of your leg, attaches in your rear end. And uh, those, we call them proximal hamstring injuries or high ones would be a more layman's term for where they occur at. Those can oftentimes take a lot longer just because of the high tensile forces right there where they're attaching. The more common of them is where the uh, tendon uh, becomes a muscle. We call that the musculotendinous junction. That's where they, uh, they join each other. Remember, a tendon is what attaches a muscle to a bone. And so where that muscle attaches to the tendon is called the musculotendinous junction. When you injure it there, it's, uh, it's a little quicker to heal because you get a little bit more bleeding that occurs. And 
remember, when you bleed into an injury, a typical, especially a muscle injury, you tend to get a lot of healing occurring. So areas where there's not a good blood supply tends to be a very slow healing process. Areas where there's a pretty good blood supply tends to heal faster. But even on a hamstring injury that heals pretty quick, we're still usually talking about at least a minimum a couple of weeks before you can take off. What your hamstring does is it is your break when you were running. So when my leg is swinging forward, we call that the swing phase of your gait. When you're running, your leg is swinging forward. Your foot is coming forward as your lower leg is swinging out underneath your lower leg. Your hamstring is what's controlling that. So it's slowly putting the brakes on so your your foot doesn't just bang out all the way and hyperextend your knee. It just does it in a slow, gradual fashion to uh, control that swing phase. And so if your hamstring uh, isn't working correctly or it's painful to uh, contract it, the muscle is elongating while it's contracting. Does that make sense, Hawk? We yeah. call that eccentric, eccentric firing. So yeah. your muscle is getting longer. Think about your leg as it's swinging out. The muscle from that's attached up in your rear end that goes all the way down the back of your leg and attaches in the back of your upper knee area or your lower knee area, that muscle as your leg swings forward is pulling, but at the same time it is elongating. So it is a, uh, it's a very strong, strong pull in a muscle that is has a high tensile load so it has to be fully healed or it'll be extremely painful when you try and uh, exercise with it so so dr dan you know if you were the team physician in this uh situation was there anything that you could potentially try that may get him ready for game seven oh you try everything this is when you're when you're an nba uh, professional i'm taking care of professional athletes as well as you have uh you, you try everything so you will do everything from trying to get that blood that's in there mobilized pretty fast. You'll use modalities like uh, electric stimulation or e-stim, we call it. You'll try and uh, do range of motion where you don't push it past the range of motion, but try and get his normal range of motion back. You will try everything from neoprene wraps where you put a wrap around it. Your, your hamstring muscle is a long muscle, so it's kind of like a bowstring. Think about it. So you, the, the more it bowstrings out and then pulls real tight, the more pressure you have on it. So sometimes you'll probably try neoprene wraps. Uh, we've done everything from... Um, corticosteroid injections where you inject the muscle itself to try and initially get over an acute hamstring injury. There were some pretty good studies on that. They were afraid that you might weaken the tendon and cause more tendon injuries from that, but it has been. There have been some studies that shows it helps. We do a PRP injection sometimes, especially on the high ones where there's not a good blood supply because a PRP injection is what's called platelet-rich plasma injection. And so you take your own body's blood, you pull it off, you take that blood, you spin it down, and you take that top little layer called your PRP layer, your platelet-rich plasma layer that has all the good stuff your bloody blood carries in it to heal, and you inject that back where the tear is to try and increase the healing in a more rapid fashion. All those things take time. Yeah. So very rarely can you get someone back that quickly that you're able to you know, say that he's going to be able to play in Game 6 and Game 7. My suspicion, if they're holding him out in Game 6, his chance of coming back in Game 7 is very, very slim. If he would have yeah. had a chance to come back, it had been right from the beginning. It would have been a grade 1, you know, no no full-on tear, no palpable tear, no tear seen on the MRI. But given the fact he had an MRI, they're holding him out for Game 6, I really think his chances of coming back for Game 7 are, are slim to none. 
Yeah, it looks like, uh, you know, Eric Young is going to have to really step up. He's been averaging 21 yeah, points yeah. a game. So, Good I mean, to him, yeah. it's uh, hopefully. There's always a silver lining. There's somebody <laughs> back behind you. In the words of Babe Laufenberg, oh, sure, heck, sure, heck yeah, I wanted the guy in front of me to get hurt. So, you know, there, there's always a time and a place where injuries help somebody else, and maybe this will be the one for Eric Young. So, we'll see. So, yes. hey, when we come back, we're going to be talking to a longtime Texas high school athletic trainer, Tom Lewis, on the other side of Docs and Jocks. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to Docs and Jocks, brought to you in part by Buffalo Wild Wings, First Financial Bank, and MDI Abilene. Touchdown. Now, back to more Docs and Jocks with Dr. Dan and Ferris. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. My name is Dr. Dan, longtime sports medicine physician with Tech Sports Bud. Great to have you tuning in today. If you want to find out more about our show, you can do so by going to docsandjocks.com, D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com. Joined this week by my co-host, Brandon Hawk, former athletic trainer with the Dallas Cowboys and Texas Tech Red Raiders. Uh, he is now the producer here at Docs and Jocks. And, Hawk, we have on one of our, both of our colleagues, uh, Tom Lewis. Tom is an athletic trainer. Uh, he uh, just finished his, get this, Hawk, 36th year as an athletic trainer, 33 of which were with the Graham, Texas Steers. And I think uh, Tom is one of the uh, best high school trainers I've had the privilege of working with over the years. I've worked with a lot of great ones. Tom's on that short list of the, of the greatest of the great. Tom, thank you for being on Docs and Jocks. I appreciate it, man. That's, that's way too much stuff for me. Oh, man. <laughs> Was that the 36 years or the intro, man? <laughs> oh, the intro, man. I'm that's, just kidding. There's, I'm just there's kidding. that intro. Yeah. Woo. His uh, team there, powerful. the uh, Graham Steers, actually, uh, they call him Doc there. Uh, man, and he's done a great job over those years taking care of all those teams. So, hey, go back in time a little bit, uh, Tom, and tell us how you got your start in athletic training. What made you uh, decide to go in that field, and where did your training begin? Well, I was a wannabe athlete, basically. I was, uh, my brother got all the athletic ability and I got, I didn't get much else. So he was the jock and, and I was just, uh, smart enough to get along in school and you all were wanted the, to be around it. You all were the original. So that's where you, it was. You were the original docs and jocks. <laughs> I, yeah, I did. <laughs> I don't know about that. But that, that's kind of how I got started and, and went to school in Indiana and, and, you know, and back in the early 80s, Texas was on the leading edge of athletic training, and so I got on my bus and got here as quick as I could. There you go. Absolutely. He's another, another uh, Midwest boy. I grew up in southern Illinois, not that far from Bloomington, so pretty cool. that. Uh, That's you know. correct. How does, yes. he, how does a, uh, a, a kid from Bloomington, Indiana, end up uh, working in Texas? How did, you, how did you make that transition? Well, I, I moved to Houston, went to a job fair, and took a job at New Caney Eagles. Yeah. I think I was two and two and twenty eight my whole first career <laughs> first years. I said, Man, I don't know what I want this part, so I moved to Graham after that. Yeah. Had a friend that had coached here and he said, Man, it's a great place, you need to move to Graham. Yeah, it is so a great place. I had to wait on a wait on a ping pong game to get over so I could do my job interview and got the job and been here ever since. Hey, uh, Tom, have you ever figured out how many team physicians you've outlasted at Graham, Texas? I know Dr. Jones is one of the doctors up there with you now, Dr. Brown, Dr. Lucas. Uh, but you've had a lot of team physicians over the years, 36-year career, 33 of which have been I at have. Graham. I have, and, and I've had some great physicians and great orthopedics. You know, we can't do our job without you guys. You know, it's, it's nice to have you guys on, on call where if I need something, I can call you guys and, and get my kids in and get my kids taken care of. So it's all about you guys as well. Yeah. Hawk, you have a question for Tom? Hey, Tom, I, I love how you uh, mentioned your record earlier. I uh, <laughs> I feel the same way, you know, as athletic trainers. Uh, I remember being with Texas Tech baseball. I'm like, gosh, 
I, I felt like I took the weight of the win loss record as well. So, uh, you know, yeah, it was uh, brutal. I, I feel, <laughs> that was brutal I, back in those days. I feel we like you know your move program in a two A school. Oh know, wow! Terrible. Oh yeah. man, I feel like your move to Graham yeah. has been pretty successful. Talk about you know uh, kind of not only where your sports medicine program has gone over the last thirty years, but uh, the the athletics department of Graham as well. Well, I, you know, I, it's all about the people around you. Uh, number one is I've had great kids, and I think I probably got. I probably got 15 kids in the profession or been in the profession or in nursing or whatever. And, you know, I've had great coaches. I've only, we were counting the other day. I think I've had, I think coach Davidson's my seventh football coach since I've came to, to Graham. And, and so it's all about continuity. People want to be there and, you know, it's a great place to be. Right. And uh, kind of talk about the changes. I mean, uh, for those who uh, don't know the athletic training world, it, it, it is the most underappreciated, uh, overworked field, I think, in the history of any medical field. These guys put in tons and tons of hours. Uh, they are there before the games start. They are there long after the games finish taking care of the athletes. Of course, they're there for the games, too, to make sure uh, when they have injuries, they're there and they're taking care of them. But it is pretty rare that you see an athletic trainer uh, stay at one school for 33 years. It seems like there's a lot of moving around. Tell us the changes you've seen in the athletic training profession from the time you started until now. I, I know one of the big ones for me as a team physician, you might comment on it, is the change in how we treat concussions and how we look at those now much more it's probably serious, if that's the word for it, than we did when I first started. I've been doing this about 20 years. You've been doing it 33. Talk about some of those types of changes. Well, you know, absolutely. There's there's been a, a ton of changes, and it's for the better for the kids. You know, yeah. you know, you you mentioned the concussions, and you go, man, I don't know how many kids back in the day that I let kids go back in, and they met the the qualifications, but you know, back then they weren't very good. Yeah. Um, you know, now we we make sure the kids are taken care of, and you know, it's it's pretty tough for a kid to go back in that has any symptoms. That, you know, they. They try to pull the wool over your eyes, but with all the things we've got out there concussion-wise, they, they can't do it. It's it's a it's a good thing for the kids, and it's a good thing. It makes my job easy, you know. Yeah. Um, just technology, you know, when, when I started, you know, we didn't have – there were very few orthopedics that did sports medicine. Yeah. I mean, that was yeah. – there were several. You know, there was a couple in, in Abilene and a couple in Wichita Falls and a couple in Fort Worth. I drove took my kids to Dallas to J. Pat Evans. Um, yeah. you know, a long time sports guy. And, and so the profession itself is so much better for the kids. You know, the care is better for the kids and the physicians are, are there to work for you and help you and do whatever we need to do. When in your career, that 33 career, 33 year career, I guess, 36 year total career, did you start having physicians on the sidelines with you? That's something that most people now take for granted, that there's usually a physician or some caretaker with the athletic trainer there on the sidelines. When in your career did you start having one be on the sidelines with you? Well, I, I've always had some orthopedics that wanted to come and hang out, and, you know, when you win, that helps a lot. It's <laughs> been a really good winning program, and yeah. everybody wants to be part of it. But, you know, there's a few select guys that – that I, I didn't want anybody down there besides the few that I wanted there, you yeah. know, one of those kind. Yeah. And, I, and I've got guys in Graham that they don't want any business. They're happy. Their kids are on the sideline. They're happy to sit in the stands, and they know Steve's on the sideline. And, and you know, so we're kind of particular. You know, I love seeing you guys, and, you know, every time you guys come over to Abilene, from Abilene, I always try to see you guys because it's nice to see the guys that care about the kids. You know, I think that's really important. 
We're talking to Tom Lewis, a 36-year athletic trainer who just retired from uh, Graham, Texas. Uh, we had a great career there. Hey, Tom, uh, give us – I know there's been so many injuries over the years. Give us a couple of the uh, – every athletic trainer has in his back pocket because everywhere you go, everybody asks you this question. What's a couple of the craziest injuries you've seen or you've taken care of over the years, either on a field or in the locker room? Well, uh, probably the one I had this year, I had a dislocated elbow in, in the semifinals. And and I'm looking at Steve going, okay, what do you want me to do? And, and you know, normally I don't like reducing those. You know, there are some things we don't like to do. We want to make sure everything, you know, you guys are there to help us take care of it and that kind of stuff. And, you know, I've got – my guys are so gung-ho. He said, reduce it. And, and you know, it's Dr. Martin's kid, and they're all down there looking, and, you know, the crowd squad. It's, it's pretty uh, – pretty intense yes it is but yeah. you know i i can't think of one injury that oversees the other you know i think they're all the same yeah. um i try to treat them the same and you know I, and the kid has a you know banged up finger you know he wants a little love just like the guy with the dislocated oh, elbow yeah. you know you know i've had some some compound fractures i've had you know a textbook of things and you know and and it's all about where you came from and the guys like you that, that allow us in your office and, you know, to come back and learn things. And, you know, my guys in Wichita Falls that, that do the cadaver dissections and we go in and they want us to put our hands on. And, you know, so it's, a, it's all about the way you guys have treated us over the years, you know, more than anything. I think that's probably the biggest change. Oh, you know, cool. when, awesome. when I first started out, there was basically no physician contact. You know, you had a few local guys that really didn't know anything about sports medicine. And then, you know, but now, you know, we've got such good guys like you guys and the guys in Abilene and the guys in Wichita Falls and the guys in Fort Worth that they're, they're without a doubt, you know, my right hand, you know. I'm, I'm there to take initially care, but it's, it's about you guys, and we want to make sure the guys get – the kids get good care. So that's why we, you know – well, that's awesome. You one guys the, play such a big role. Well, thank you, you know? so much. That's a big honor coming from you. One of the, uh, the misconceptions of uh, athletic trainers are that you only take care of the people on the field. Some of my craziest <laughs> injuries I've had over the years, Tom, have been uh, – I remember I remember we were uh, at the Hardin-Simmons University football game, and it was kickoff. And so, man, game just got started. You know what, you athletic trainers, by the way, and team doctors – on special teams, our ears perk up because and our eyes are vigilant because that's when it seems like the biggest injuries happen when they got full speed guys going full tilt, running into guys who are going full speed, crazy injuries happen. But uh, our Harden Simmons guy takes the ball all the way down the field. He runs the opening kickoff back for a touchdown. The referee who's on the far side of the field is backpedaling, and our guy, when he scores, he, he, he gets behind him so he doesn't see it. Well, he's trying to turn around while well, he tripped over the goal line uh, marker the orange pylon and he trips and he falls backwards so the guy crosses the line the referee falls backwards he gets up and he signals touchdown but the problem was his forearm was now at a 90 degree angle <laughs> on one side and he fractured he had a compound fracture a both bone forearm fracture and he still signaled the touchdown i always said i wish there would have been a still photo of that like this is the ultimate referee moment the guy that has a broken arm still signals touchdown but you guys take care yeah, of not only the people on the field, you take care of referees. You oftentimes get called about out of the stands. Somebody's passed out in the stands. You take care of the cheerleaders when they're, even though they're behind you falling. Some of the scariest and craziest injuries I've had, Tom, and I'm sure you had too, have been the people in the stands and the referees and the cheerleaders and everybody else who's not on the field. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I can remember games where I've had an injury on the sideline and, 
and I look for Dr. Jones to, to come out and give me some advice, and I look up, he's in the stands working on the kids at that seizure. Yeah, right. So, yeah, yeah, you know, it, it happens all the time, and we're not we're there for everybody. You know, it's, it's hard to walk away from the kids in the middle of a game. Um, you know, I think that's why all the medical people play such an important role. The EMS guys, my guys, are always there, and I can say, hey, you know, call the EMS guys or – you know, Steve's happy to go up in the crowd or, you know, Steve will watch the field and I go up in the crowd. So, you know, it's, it just takes a big team, um, you know, is the bottom line on all that. And you guys are all CPR certified, too. That's amazing. So the worst-case scenario, I always say that my very first day of, uh, of internal – of uh, when I was doing internal medicine, my very first year getting ready to go to physical medicine rehabilitation, my internship year, we have to do – uh, a class, a CPR ACLS class, and I was super nervous because my first day of internship anyway, really my first day of being a doctor, and the person who was teaching that CPR ACLS class, advanced cardiac life support class, said, hey, if you know how to take care of the worst thing, everything else is gravy. And it put me at ease. I thought after I did that class, I'm like, okay, if the worst thing happens, I'm equipped to take care of that. And it's a great point. And that's the way you guys are on the sidelines. Now your athletic trainers are fully staffed. They completely understand CPR. They can take care of those worst situations until those uh, EMS guys get there to help them out. But you guys are truly certified in all those different areas. We are. And, you know, that's that's part of the good thing about athletic trainers and getting them out in every school, you know, and and just to have that better coverage for the kids. Right. Exactly. Huh? Hey, Tom, you know, uh, when I look back and uh, think about all the amazing mentors in my life, you know, uh, and watching some of you uh, older athletic trainers just pave the way for us younger ones, you know, you, Buzz, Sean, just a bunch of you, and uh, working with doctors like Dr. Munton. What, who are some of those guys for you when you were kind of a younger athletic trainer that kind of helped pave the way for you? Oh, uh, you know, I've had a, a ton of guys, and you know, and I we were talking the other day, uh, uh, one of my buddies, his dad is the athletic trainer clean and just retired after 54 years. So I'm wow. going, oh, man, oh, I, wow. and, you know, he's in, his license numbers is in single digits, you know, <laughs> mine's in triple digits, you know. And so I look at, I look at my numbers and I, and I go, oh, you know, what a, what a, you know, great place to have, you know, kids take, take care of the kids and, and take care of that. But, you know, Larry Smith and, all those guys in Abilene have all been friends of mine for a long time. Brian Stewart, you know, all those guys. You know, Buzz, Chisholm, most of you guys. Yeah. I know Hawk knows Buzz. Yeah. Uh, go way back. And, you know, there's just a lot of guys. Buzz was kind of took me under his wing when I was a little pup and, you know, let me do some stuff with the Oilers. And and just, you know, there's there's too many to name. Yeah. Um, there's so yeah. many, you know. Yeah. All those old guys are – you know, they're almost – they're all gone, unfortunately. You know, uh, Ken Locker and some of those guys that you've worked with, Larry Gardner, yeah. you know, a lot of those old guys that are still kind of – still out and about, still yeah. doing things. They're all in clinics now. So, yeah. you know, I guess that's an easy life to go. Hey, Tom, if <laughs> but, we just got one minute here left on the show, and if someone okay. – a young man or woman is thinking about going into the profession of athletic training after being in this field for 36 years with all your experience, what is uh, some uh, advice you would give that young man or woman uh, on that early part of their journey? Well, not to be afraid of work. You know, yeah. I think that's probably the most important. I've got a, I've got a kid that's going to Tech um, right now. And, you know, I said, look, she got accepted into the football program. And I said, look, don't get discouraged. It's hard work. It's long hours. But the pay is, is what it's all about, taking care of the kids and, yeah. you know, loving on the kids. And they love you just as much as you love them. And, you know, working with good people like you guys and, you know, 
all those things go into you know to play there. Well, we couldn't have any better advice than that from coming from uh, Tom Lewis. Tom, I want to say uh, congratulations on a wonderful career. Uh, Graham, I'm sure, is going to deeply miss you. All of us sports medicine physicians have ever worked with you are going to miss you uh, deeply. Man, we just wish you and your family all the best on the uh, next stage. I'm sure there's an adventure there, too, for you. We'll have to have you on again uh, here real soon. And, Docs and Jocks, catch up on where you're at. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks for calling. All right. Hey, we're right back with more Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show, after this short commercial break. to Docs and Jocks, brought to you in part by Buffalo Wild Wings, First Financial Bank, and MDI Abilene. Touchdown. Now back to more Docs and Jocks with Dr. Dan and Ferris. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. So glad you're listening to our show, man. I'll tell you what, thank you for making one of us uh, the fastest growing podcasts out there, too, man. You guys being involved in subscribing to DOXN, JOX, Docs and Jocks on our, our uh, podcast, Docs and Jocks podcast, has been awesome. So thank you for doing that. And uh, remember, you can listen to us anytime, anywhere by doing that. Joined this week by Fair, uh, Fair Spotter. Called you Ferris. <laughs> by Brandon Hawk, my longtime producer here, longtime uh, athletic trainer for the Dallas Cowboys and the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Things like uh, what happened this week at Dallas Cowboys didn't happen when you were there. Hawk, I'm just letting you know the uh, drunk driving incident supposedly that happened. That just didn't happen when you were there. Sadly, they've happened there <laughs> since before I was even like born. Two, two decades, I know, <laughs> yes. man. Gosh. Yeah, Terrence Williams now is the latest, uh, greatest in the uh, debacle. So we'll see what we'll see what happens with that. Hey, before uh, the uh, before our last segment, our last guest we had with Tom Lewis, our big guest segment we were talking about the nba and the houston rockets how they just lost chris paul their starting point guard and uh, they looks like they're not going to have him for game six for sure most likely just uh, my medical opinion probably will not have him for game seven either as they're up three games of two on the golden state warriors now listen to chris paul's playoff history this is chris paul since 2015 so it's you know he's one of the he's going to go down as a hall of famer chris paul is i mean he just has those numbers so in 2015 he's in the playoffs against the spurs and the finishes game seven he injures his hamstring and he misses the uh rockets is who he's playing against at that point in time when he's with the clippers and he loses uh that playoff game to a hamstring though that playoff series he loses in 2016 they lose chris paul when he was with the uh clippers with two due to a fractured hand uh, against portland and he missed that uh, playoff and they lost 2017 they lose to the jazz after chris paul goes down with a foot injury and now 2018, he goes down in game after game five uh, against the Golden State Warriors. 2015 hamstring injury, 2016 fractured hand, 2017 foot injury, 2018 hamstring injury. Jeez. There's a little bit of a they, – they used to call it the Clipper curse because the Clippers always – there was one of them, I can't remember, I think it was 2017 or maybe in 2016 where they lost Chris Paul – and uh, Blake Griffin in the same series, and they started calling it the Clipper curse. So I don't know why it seems to happen to the same guys all the time, the Derrick Roses of the world, the uh, Chris Pauls of the world. Yeah. Uh, who, who's a baseball player version of that? Nelly Cruz with, uh, like, the eight hamstrings in a row. Yeah, eight Adrian Beltre. Adrian Beltre. Oh, they my. always seem like the, they're having some kind of injury after an injury after an injury, but – I don't know. Just I think it's just bad luck. I mean, Chris Paul just that's. I mean, what are the odds that they all happen in the playoffs to the same guy? Can't continue on and they lose four years in a row now. So, well, they haven't lost yet, but so Dr. Dan, I mean, looking at that for him especially, I mean, 
you talk about, you know, what does the NBA have, like 62 games or something like that, somewhere in there. And, I mean, do you think really this is a continuous theme for him? Where do you look at fatigue in this? I mean, obviously the hand thing, maybe not so much, but the hamstring. Yeah, but that may play a part. Or I think what may play a part as well, if you looked at the game last night, he was super, super uh, energetic and active during the late fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Does he do that every game in a regular season? Does he go full out? Does he yeah. give a different type of effort, a different level of effort in the playoffs? I don't know if there's a reason or excuse. I'm not saying he's, he's loafing in the regular season. But we do know that when big games come, sometimes you play different. It's why I try and always re- reinforce the guys like uh, that I work out with my son, is one particular right now, that we when we work out, I try and mimic. I say, hey, you've got to go as if. This is the game on the line. This is your playoff game. This is the state championship. This is, again, that's the intensity you have to bring to your practice because if you practice at a low level of intensity, when you get into a big tense situation, you change what you do ever so slightly, and now it's a different player, right? So I try and say this, we're going we're gonna to have focused quality swings or practice because you have to have a focused quality swing when the game's on the line. So I don't know if Chris Paul does that. He plays harder in playoffs. I think there's probably a different level of intensity for sure. Yeah. But that may be why. I don't know why it always happens in the playoffs to him, but that's just that's just one theory. You know, it's interesting you bring up the intensity thing. You know, just a few weeks ago, Kobe Bryant was talking about that, and he said, you know, if you were a guy around me that wasn't going to go hard in the scrimmage or wasn't going to go hard in the weight room, I didn't want you around me because I always wanted people around me whether it be the game, the weight room, the practice court, everything, going as hard as they possibly could because I knew that was pushing me to be better. But if you're around me doing those things, I don't want you around me because that's a cancer. Yeah, that's a great that's a great way to look at it. This is one of the things, a little test I do. I'll, I will uh, tell someone when they're taking BP, like off of a T, I'll suddenly, I'll be, and, I, and I think they're kind of taking non-quality swings, I'll say, hey, it's game seven of the World Series, tie game, bases loaded, two outs, you're the man at the plate right now. Got to do it right now. And I kind of, <laughs> yeah. I kind of bring the intensity up. And what happens to most players who don't practice the high intensity? Their shoulders tense up. They pull their shoulders up. I call it putting the brakes on when you're in hitting. When your shoulders get close to your ears, we call that putting the brakes on, because you cannot swing quickly in baseball. Remember, four tenths of a second to swing a bat if you are tense. So I try and make them tense so that they will learn to relax. Most of the time what happens is shoulders come up, they get tense, they roll over it because they pull. Yeah. They're trying real hard now where they weren't trying just before that. They're hitting rocket shots up the middle, rocket shots up the middle. Now you put them in a tense moment, shoulders go up, roll over it, pull it into the net, over to the side of them. So what you do is you have to try and put yourself in game situations, high-tense situations, high-intensity situations, that when you're in those situations, you've done it so many times, it now becomes – your rote memory to relax in those situations. Yeah. So that's just that's the way I look at it as far as I would rather have a player take 15 really good quality focused mentally into it swings than 100 fast soft BP swings where they're not even thinking about it they're just swinging with this lolly you know back and forth back and forth swing. I just don't think that prepares them for game situations and I don't know if Chris Paul in, I, I don't know anything about his practice habits if he's able to practice that high-intensity level like he does in fourth quarter of game five where he pulls his hamstring and he's now done it four injuries in four years in the playoffs. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, when I was in Little League, my dad used to be hard on me. I'd be, like, just in the 
the uh, on deck circle, whatever, swinging with two bats or kind of jacking around. And he'd be like, what are you doing? And I'd be like, oh, I'm just warming up. And he was like, well, that's not how you're going to go up there and swing. Why yeah. would you do that? Yeah. And, you know, at the time I thought, oh, that's silly. But why would you ever practice differently than how you want to play? I mean, Yeah. And, you know, it's it's kind of seems kind of silly sometimes. You'll walk up, I'll, I'll uh, ask a player who's hitting him. BP, I'm like, practice relaxing yourself in the moment. Yeah. Well, in BP, they're not nervous, right? So it seems kind of silly to take a big, deep breath, relax it out, let your shoulders down, because there's no, there's no pressure on them to start with. So yeah. they're like, why am I doing this? I'm not nervous. Because if you don't practice it in the non-tense situations, you will not do it yeah. when it gets tense. You won't know what that feels like in the moment. It'll be something different. So, yeah, you're exactly right. So that's, I, I think the famous one is uh, Tiger Woods' dad would stand over him when he was pretty little and tell him, hey, this is for the master's putt. This is you got to do it. And he would <laughs> scream at him, like yell at him to put him in a tense situation, you know, not belittling him or anything, but try and get him tensed up so that he would relax in the moment, no matter how big the moment later became. And obviously Tiger Woods had a lot of big moments, and he always seemed super relaxed. But you've got to practice that situation. That's the mental toughness that you can learn at the edge, uh, mental strength. Uh, do I ever say that right? Is that what's Yeah, called? the edge mental strength. Yeah, the edge yeah. mental strength uh, with Tracy Mutton here. and It's inside of the Forge training facility. And, uh, you can go to forgeabling.com or go to our Docs and Jocks website. And, and there you take a free mental strength evaluation. But one of the things they do is uh, Tracy Mutton and her colleague, um, Christina Seal, they try and test your relaxation under pressure, your play under pressure. They, they find out where those strengths and weaknesses lie. Everybody's different. Some people, when moments get really, really tense, they want the ball, they want the pitch, they want to be the guy at the plate. They just, just naturally relax into the moment. Other people kind of fear that moment. And so you got to learn that if you're going to play sports, there's going to come a time and a place where you are the person who has to come through and, uh, and you know do your team the best. And you can only do that if you're relaxed. I think uh, what you just said, you know, was awesome. If, I wish uh, – so if my dad would have yelled over me and said, if you make this putt, you're going to win the Masters, then I would have been the next Tiger Woods. You would have been the next Tiger Woods, absolutely. Wow. Yep, that's all it took, man. <laughs> it was some yelling kind words from your father that would have been uh, – yeah, that's all it took. <laughs> Always blame it on the dad. Yeah, you do all these work, all these hours of work with your sons and daughters. As a dad, you're working with them, working on where they swing, and they get on television later on what they do, they say, hi, Mom. And you've been out there working with them all the time. So anyway, <laughs> that's just the way it goes. Hey, you want to hear one of the great sports medicine stories uh, that happened this last week? Is uh, George, Georgetown Hoya football player, middle linebacker Ty Williams, who was paralyzed in 2015, just took his first steps. So he has not walked in two and a half years. Wow. What makes this even more special was that his first steps were to accept his graduation diploma from Georgetown University. And he's been working with a physical therapist. He had to use uh, braces. He had to use a walker. His uh, physical therapist right there. But he said he wanted to walk the stage to get his diploma after he had suffered this horrendous spinal cord injury to his cervical spine. He uh, was able to do it, took his first steps in two and a half years. And uh, Ty Williams, who uh, just got his degree in government, I mean, this is the kind of guy I could see maybe future president. Who knows, man? What a great, great story. Yeah, you know, Dr. Dan, just as always, you know, on the show, we love stories of just perseverance. Overcoming. And yeah. Overcoming. Inspir yeah. Inspirational. It, uh, you know, you can you can say like, oh, well, only this guy had uh, has something to think about overcoming, you know. But I feel like we all have something, you know, yeah. that's happened to all of us. It doesn't have to be you being paralyzed or something, you know. I mean, you could have all types of things that has been put in your life to help you overcome something and use perseverance. And oh, so, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this, this Ty Williams story could be anybody. 
somebody's story that's listening right now. I mean, you know, uh, just what an amazing story. And uh, like you said, it'd be interesting to see what this guy's going to use this to go on to. We've seen the great Inky Johnson, you yeah. know, paralyzed from one arm, going around and speaking now. Became and, a motivational speaker. You yeah. know, he was supposed to be a first-round pick. His p- family came from no money. And he used that platform and persevered and is just doing amazing. So, you know, it would be interesting to see what Ty Williams is going to do for him and his family going forward. Yeah, you know what I do on my day job at Tech Sport and Spine? I talk to people about exercise all the time, about trying to overcome, you know, a lot of the ailments they have, the disabilities they have by using therapy, exercise, moving. And so everybody has an excuse. Just, Just this morning, I'll give you some that I heard. I'm too old to exercise. I'm too old to get moving. Uh, I'm too out of shape to start exercising. Uh, I hurt too much to start exercising. I um, haven't done that in years. I don't have a friend with me. I don't have someone to watch my kids. I mean, that's just this morning. I'm just giving you like five examples of those this morning. Yeah. Everybody has something in their lives that makes it difficult for them to overcome where they currently are. Ty Williams just reminds us that you can be at a really, really an area where you don't think you can come back from and you can walk the stage at Georgetown University to get your diploma when no one, not one doctor, when he initially had his injury, said he would ever walk again. Yeah. So two and a half years it took him of absolute hard, agonizing, blood, sweat, tears, rehabilitation, and therapy. But Ty Williams reminds us that if you put your mind to it and you work really, really hard at something and you set goals, you know, it didn't, his big goal was to walk two and a half years from when he had his initial injury. Yeah. Probably his first goal was to be able to figure out how to get himself out of bed and dress himself. Yeah. But eventually he now gets to where he's walking short steps. So it just reminds us that no matter what your excuse is, you can overcome it if you have the right mindset. And I think that's where we oftentimes lose it is if he would have gave up early and said, every doctor said I can't walk, so I'm not going to walk to get my diploma. Maybe he never even takes the first step, which is, teaching himself how to get out of bed, how to, how to get dressed, how to feed himself again, how to uh, do his activities of daily living, how to, how to use a wheelchair, how to use braces. Yeah. He maybe never takes the first baby steps. So set some long-term goals, set some short-term goals, but use Ty, use Ty Williams' story to inspire you to be better than what you think you can be. This, this is an absolutely amazing, inspirational story that we should all take to heart and start somewhere. If you don't ever start with it, I think the biggest setback to people not accomplishing the big goals is never setting little goals. Yeah. If you don't set little goals, then you're never going to get there. So, um, man, I, I'm, I say kudos to Ty Williams and, and his, he and his family. But did, did you ever see a spinal cord injury in all your years of uh, athletic training? No, Dr. Dan. You know, we got we got really close. Well, I did. I was on the opposite sideline of the Kevin Everett deal oh, with the yeah. Houston Texans. Yeah. yeah. I was on the opposite side of that. So, obviously, he was down for a long time. I was just a summer intern there. So, uh, but I wasn't, you know, on that team that dealt with that. But, uh, you know, they're saying his injury from a medical perspective here. I'd like to get your take. Uh, a C6 incomplete uh-huh. fractured vertebrae. So kind of tell us what yeah. that really means. So C6 just tells you the level in their spinal cord. Your spinal cord is broken into your cervical spine and your thoracic spine. And then that's where your spinal cord stops at the very bottom of your mid-back, lower mid-back. And then it becomes a uh, like a horse's tail called your cauda equina, a bunch of little nerves running down through your lumbar spine, getting ready to go out their individual holes. So when you have a spinal cord injury, it's either cervical or thoracic spinal cord injury level. And that injury level, a C6, means it's near the base of his cervical spine. Incomplete means that he doesn't have 100% blockage of either sens- sensation 
or possibly uh, muscle function or motor function, we call it. Okay. So you can be partially, you can be an incomplete sensory where you have s some sensation left, or you can have an incomplete motor block where you have some strength uh, still in your legs. Given the fact that he was able to stand, he had, and they said he had some sensation left to levels he was an incomplete the fact that he didn't get all of his spinal cord from c6 down if so okay. he'd have no use of his legs bowel bladder and no sensation from his level down so yeah that that assisted him for sure but man what a great inspirational yes. uh, life altering story for both ty wing's family and all those who watched that this last weekend hey when we come back we'll be going to be talking about more sports medicine here on docs and jocks sports medicine radio show as well as we're going to have a mental strength minute with lovely miss tracy mutton Coming up on the other side of Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. Great to have you join us today. You're listening to Docs and Jocks, brought to you in part by Sylvan Learning Center, Dr. Melton Chiropractic, and Texas Sports Hall of Fame. Touchdown. Now back to more Docs and Jocks with Dr. Dan and Ferris. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. Man, it's so exciting to have you joining us today. If you've ever missed a previous show and want to go back and uh, catch a segment like uh, maybe the guest interview we did with Tom Lewis, 36-year athletic trainer in his career, and maybe get that interview and hear it again, uh, you can do so by going to docsandjocks.com, D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com, or you can go to our iTunes podcast, uh, Docs and Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X. Subscribe to that, and you can listen to that interview anytime, anywhere at your convenience. Man, I want to say thank you all of us, uh, all you who listen to our show regularly on our listening stations, man. I want to appreciate uh, the, our, our uh, loyal listenership. Don't forget, after this segment here, we're going to have on 11-year NFL Pro Bowl safety, Danielle Manning. He's going to be coming on air with us. Looking very much forward to that interview. Talk a little NFL football. Talk about some of the new safety guidelines that are out there. If you haven't heard from about those, we'll be talking to Daniel Manning about some of those. He played uh, safety, which was a, is a huge position with uh, getting called for hitting defenseless players, putting your head down. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff that safeties are, are now having to think about when they're trying to tackle the world's fastest, uh, best wide receivers in the world. And we talk about that and more here on Docs and Jocks. Also, at the end of the segment, we're going to have on lovely Miss Tracy Mutton. She is going to be talking about our mental strength minute, talking about how you can use your mental strength to overcome some of those things like sports anxiety. I was having a good talk with uh, one of our guys here in studio with us. Sergio is a soccer player and how a lot of times it's those players – uh, that have great uh, sports ability but have a hard time being able to use it because either they're playing without confidence or maybe they're having sports anxiety when they're doing so and some of those kind of things. And that's what Tracy Mutton deals with on a routine basis, trying to get some of the greatest athletes to play the uh, play through their highest levels. So won't want to miss that as well. Hey, uh, my, my co-host this week is Brandon Hawk. Hawk is a longtime uh, athletic trainer with the Dallas Cowboys and Texas Tech Red Raiders. He's this is his last week in the studio. He's getting ready to travel to Knoxville, Tennessee, where he's going to be uh, with his lovely wife where she's doing law school. So, man, we're going to miss Hawk, but he's going to be in Skype in studio with us, so it's not his last show, so it's not not overly sad, even though we're just going to see on a computer screen now in the last <laughs> five years. So, Hey, uh, Boston Celtics great Bill Russell, man. Uh, goes to the hospital. He uh, has had a lot of heart issues. Bill Russell, for those of you who don't know, maybe I always forget my, I'm an old guy now, but for our younger listening audience, Bill Russell was uh, Boston Celtic. He won, get this, 11 NBA championships. 11 NBA championships Bill Russell did. He was a five-time MVP with the uh, Boston Celtics. He was one of the premier big men, first big men in the NBA and uh, was just a uh, incredible, incredible basketball player. He was elected to one, obviously the Hall of Fame, one of the top uh, 50 basketball players of all time. And so uh, Bill Russell, uh, he goes down, he goes into the hospital, and they thought maybe he was having hearty, cardiac uh, problems. 
as he's had in the past, but it was found that he was dehydrated. And uh, he, uh, when you get dehydrated, what happens is you don't have enough volume inside, you know, fluid volume inside your body. And so you don't have enough volume to carry the red blood cells that carry oxygen to your brain. And so you get what's called syncope. You feel like you want to pass out and you go down. And next thing you know, you know, you're getting taken to the hospital. They think you've had a stroke or heart attack. Uh, Bill Russell, uh, once they got him hydrated, a lot of times, remember, too, there's medicines that uh, people are on for heart conditions. If your heart isn't working correctly, you oftentimes will retain fluid. You remember, your heart's just a fancy pump. So if that pump isn't working well, just like if your pump wasn't working on your swimming pool and it's backing up uh, fluid on the other side of that pump, when that happens in the body, oftentimes it collects in your legs and uh, you're on medicines uh, to try and remove that fluid, like what we call diuretics, which make you pee more. And uh, so he will get dehydrated easily from some of those medicines and from some of the diuretics he's on. And so next thing you know, uh, he uh, end up in the hospital. So it looks like he's back home now. He tweeted out a picture of him drinking a bottle of water at the house. So it looks like uh, <laughs> Bill Russell, Hall of Fame basketball player, is going to get to watch the next uh, two games or one or two games with the Cavs versus the Celtics. Man, best of seven now. Cavs are down 3-2. to two. LeBron James down to the Boston Celtics. Nobody saw this coming. Boston without Kyrie Irving, uh, without Gordon Hayward, the two-star players before the season, uh, are playing incredibly well. Uh, Brad Stevens, kudos to him and his team that have really – it's been a weird series, and then whoever gets the lead early yeah. never relinquishes it and and just seems like they drum the opponent. It's been a weird – whoever's at home kills the visiting team. Do you, do you think uh, that is for – other reasons just besides one has a better home court advantage or do you think what do you think about that uh, you know when i watch the games it's almost like either lebron james takes it over or he doesn't and <laughs> so it's you know the game where he had the concussion or well, i thought he had a concussion i think it was game three yeah and he was uh the, the Cavs had a big lead at halftime or before before half and lebron james took a shot to the head as he was driving and it seemed like it stunned him and he went out with a minute to go in the uh, first half and he leaves the game, and when he came back, he was never the same player. He was, like, catching the ball out 35 feet out from the basket and just passing it to the wings. And uh, Boston was really manning up on those wing players, and it was like they were asking LeBron to go ahead and try and drive up the middle, but he just didn't have to seem like he had the gumption to do it. So I think it's whether he's feeling it that night and if he's, you know, not completely worn out from carrying a game for three quarters. There's a lot of things that go into it, but it either seems like it's a LeBron James show or it isn't. Do you, do you think that uh, looking back, you know, the the Celtics are regretting some of the trades they made because it seems like night in, night out, like you said, if LeBron's not going for 40-plus, I you mean. about the Cavs regretting some of the trades they made? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Probably, you know, but at the same time, you know, they didn't think the team they had early on was going to make it. Kyrie Irving wanted to leave before the season. Yeah. So I don't think there was a lot of uh, – I think the players they ended up trading weren't necessarily the players that were game changers. So – you know, I think they're probably as good a shape as they could been in in this situation. The question, I think, comes down to if LeBron James doesn't win it this year, it's more likely he's going to be moving on. Yeah. You know, and so they really want to win it for a lot of reasons. One is to keep him really good this year, but also maybe they keep LeBron around to finish out his career as a Cleveland Cavalier. If not, he's going to be a, I don't know, Laker or somebody. I don't know where he's going. Or 76ers. 76ers, or, yeah, you know, wow, I wish yeah. he was going to be a Dallas Maverick, but oh, we know that <laughs> yeah. Mark Cuban struggles Man, getting these guys. does he ever. <laughs> Which I don't understand. Yeah. But DeAndre, uh, who was it, DeAndre Johnson? Jordan. Jordan. Yeah, that was Supposedly the they're us. making another pitch to bring him and uh, two other guys this uh, summer. But we know the same player he was a few years ago. We know Cuban doesn't have a good closing yeah, rate. I know. <laughs> so. yeah. Man, Dallas right now is really struggling. you got the Mavericks who are just – you know, they're going to be cellar dwellers for a while. Then you got uh, the Rangers just 
pathetic right now. Just cannot uh, seem to get a win of any kind. And doesn't look like he's going to be getting any help coming down the stretch with the pitching for sure. I just don't, man, Dallas, uh, Dallas right now is really struggling. Yeah, I'm looking for uh, some new teams as a move to Knoxville. Um, <laughs> I can't desert my Cowboys, but yeah. <laughs> I got to figure. Oh, uh, it's just depressing, almost. You know, it's just yeah. you know so many injuries and so many just bad performance, young players, uh, all those things. Dirk, you know, he's on his last leg, literally, and uh, you just hope that they can get. He said it he's going to finish out of the Maverick, though. So he's got what one or two more years, I think. I think he's going to come back for one more. One more year. I think that's his last contract. Dirk farewell tour. Yeah. Yeah, and then. So. You know, so it's very possible, Hawk, that we have a Boston Celtics uh, versus the Houston Rockets NBA final, which would really be uh, no one saw that one coming. Which, you know, this morning they were talking about that that would be bad for the NBA because LeBron James is the NBA. Yeah. But I don't know about you. I, I think that, you know, the Celtics are such a storied team and the Rockets have a lot of fire and they're old. They have a lot of history as well. I mean, both teams have great history. Yeah. So. I just I don't know I I didn't think I guess LeBron James is the is the top selling thing in the NBA but I don't know I kind of disagreed with him I thought that would be a good old rivalry uh, established yeah going back to Kim Olajuwon Clyde Drexler days of uh, the Houston Rockets and you know obviously the Celtics have been had an incredible run when they had Larry Bird and McHale and all the guys doing their thing part of that uh, franchise now is Danny Ainge who was part of those great years is now their uh, general manager so. Yeah, it's or the director of operations, whatever you want to call it, in NBA. But yeah, it's they're definitely two story teams. But Cleveland, I mean, you just can't get any bigger than LeBron James and Steph Curry. You just those two names just. Okay, so you know, table. early on here now, what, what's your prediction of just these two series going on right now? Our prediction is until someone knocks off Steph Curry and LeBron James, they're the king of the mountain, and they're just, they're gonna they're gonna win it. <laughs> I just I've had that feeling all along, you know. The whole time I'm watching these series, I'm like, okay, when's LeBron gonna kick it in? And he has. He's had yeah. moments of just unbelievable greatness so I, they just typically don't let you lose it was game seven of the first of the second round where lebron just went off he just single-handedly took the game over and said i'm not going to let us lose and what well, scored nearly 50 he was yeah. making shots off running jump shots that were like high off the glass from the <laughs> from the wing i mean it was just ridiculous what he's doing so until someone shows me they can knock off lebron and steph i just don't see that happening so but as soon as it happens, it's a new world, a new era out there. So it's a brave new world when someone does it. But they haven't to this point. And then, you know, going to the Celtics series, injury-wise, do you think there's any chance at all that we could see uh, Hayward or Kyrie? No, I don't think so. You don't think I so? I don't think they'd take a risk on it. I mean, that, that injury at the beginning of the season to Gordon Hayward was so devastating. He had a full-on ankle dislocation. So I don't think risking that. And he was not going to be sharp when he first comes back either. So, yeah. you know, you don't want to make the playoffs your your – Returned, uh, you know, full full on activity. It's not like baseball where you go to the minor leagues, get yourself groomed in, and get yeah. going, and then suddenly now you're back into the swing of things. I just don't see them bringing them back at this point in time. And Kyrie had an infection, and he removed hardware. That that just takes time too. Yeah. I think he's fully out till next year. Okay, I don't see where either one of those guys come back. I would be shocked. I would be absolutely shocked if they've been playing all year long, and he hadn't had you know, and it just been some t- a hamstring injury like we're seeing with uh, Chris Paul. I would say that maybe they try. But uh, not not with the devastating injury that was. Neither yeah. one of them. Yeah. So. Hey, uh, speaking of young guys coming up, man, the Cardinals have Jordan Hicks. Uh, Jordan Hicks, if you haven't seen him yet, this guy is a phenom like no other. He throws the ball, Hawk, routinely, routinely, <laughs> 105 miles an hour. Oh, my word. I want you all to go out there. If you haven't played baseball before, sometime in your near future, go to your local uh, batting cage <laughs> and just ask them to crank it to 105 
<laughs> oh my goodness, that's fast. I tell my son because we have a virtual hitting machine in our barn, and so we're always taking hitting in there, and so I will crank it up. And I crank it up to what I think is fast. And then every now and then I just crank it up to what's crazy fast. I was like, hey, son, this is what you're going to be seeing, man. I never saw it in my career, but go get them, son. We go get the Tiger. 105 miles an hour is so fast. So your pitching machine, can you make it through? It can throw? go up that fast. Yeah, it can go oh, up that fast. Oh, my word. It's so fast. And we're a little bit closer. My, I don't have the full 60 feet, 6 inches, you know, distance. Yeah. So we're up to about 45 feet, which makes everything else faster. So when I make it 85 there, it's really like 105 on the, on the regular deal. So, wow. Yeah, it's fast. Yeah, you don't really appreciate it until you stand up there. And then to think it's not a virtual pitching machine that's throwing it. It's a regular human being who doesn't know exactly where it's going all the time. That's a little scary, too, because 105 gets on you within about a little less than four-tenths of a second, three-and-a-half-tenths of a second. So what the listening audience here wants to know is, does Dr. Dan still have it? Can you hit the 85 no. <laughs> I don't think I could hit. I don't think I could hit 105 in my heyday. I'm pretty sure I couldn't. I mean, I changed a lot of things in my swing to be able to hit, you know, 92. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't think so. No. Well, okay. So back to your 105 mile an hour point. What what has this guy done, or what do you think is going on in the world of baseball that allows this guy to throw that hard? I mean, I think uh, that's a great discussion for when we have Ron Wolforth on the Texas Baseball Ranch. I think that people have figured out the science of throwing to such a degree that they don't cookie cutter you, but they can give you bits of information that allow you to throw harder. So, like we now know from watching film. When, you, when a pitcher comes up onto his back legs, we used to say stand tall on your back leg. We now know that if you rock slightly backwards, away f- over top of your back leg, but even beyond it slightly, you're going to gain a couple miles an hour. We now know that if your elbow stays slightly below your shoulder when you're coming through and you elevate it as you're coming through as opposed to getting your elbow above your shoulder early, it improves your velocity. So... There are, and then there's all these programs now that look at different ways of trying to <clears throat> increase your range or increase your uh, miles per hour by doing underweight, overweight, regular weight baseballs, doing it in a program that's both arm health helpful as well as improve your velocity. So they've gotten it down to a program that now they can pretty much tell you these are the things you need to do if you want to max out your ability to throw. Now, one person's maxed out just due to the type of muscle fibers they have in their arm, maybe 98. Yeah. The next guy's 105, like Jordan Hicks. There's a little bit of genetics that go into it, too, as well as your ability to learn. But people are being able to max out their genetic potential much better now than what they did when, when I was younger. When you just got out there and threw as hard as you can, you really didn't have a lot of technique teaching. My uh, my favorite quote from last week's show with Ron Wolfworth, and you can go check that out on iTunes, Docs and Jocks, was uh, the guy asked him if he ever what he thought about weighted balls, and he told him, well, have you ever picked up a baseball that's not weighted? Yeah, a regular baseball is weighted, son. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, love that. <laughs> yeah. I never thought about yeah, that. Yeah, because they said, uh, I don't like weighted ball programs. He goes, you know, baseball is a weighted ball program, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love <laughs> it. <laughs> it's one of those things just so obvious and you so – you know, common sense. Why you're like, well, oh yeah, that's I'm an, I'm an idiot. I'm an absolute idiot. <laughs> yes. So, anyways, so hey, we want to uh, go ahead and prep our next uh, guest coming on here. Daniel Manny's coming up on the other side of this short commercial break. We're gonna have lovely Miss Tracy Mutton on, doing the mental strength minute on first, and then uh, we'll come back with former Chicago Bears and Houston Texans. Uh, NFL football player, 11-year veteran, Danielle Manning coming on. Hey, stay tuned here with us for your mental strength moment coming up with lovely Miss Tracy Mutton. You're listening to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. We'll be right back. One of the most
most difficult things for athletes to do is to keep intensity and drive throughout an extremely long season or even off-season period. It can be easy for an athlete to get tired, apathetic, or even lazy as time progresses and the newness wears off. Staying focused, maintaining intensity, and learning how to care for one's mind and body throughout a long season or practice period is something athletes must learn to do. This, of course, is easier said than done. One of the ways to accomplish this is to work with a mental strength coach. This work can help the athlete find ways to stay motivated, set goals for practice in the season, and to learn ways to help keep these times fresh and exciting. Coach Bobby Knight, a man who definitely knew how to keep things exciting for his players, once said, Do what needs to be done, when it needs to be done, the best way it can be done, and do it that way every time. This is great advice for maintaining intensity and adding a little creativity will help a long season seem much more enjoyable. If you or an athlete you know would like to learn more about this, you can contact The Edge Mental Strength Training by clicking on our link at docsandjocks.com. This has been your Mental Strength Minute. You're listening to Docs and Jocks, brought to you in part by Joe Walker State Farm Insurance, Visual Edge, and Texas Sport Inspired. Touchdown. Now back to more Docs and Jocks with Dr. Dan and Ferris. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks. This is Dr. Dan, longtime sports medicine physician with Texas Sports Spine. Great to have you with us today. We're coming to you from inside the Forge Abilene Training Studios. Hey, great to have you join us. Remember, you can listen to us anytime, anywhere by going to Docs and Jocks on your iTunes podcast and catch our show anytime if you're not in our listening area. Man, we want to say thank you to all our wonderful listeners who also follow us on DocsandJocks.com. Remember, you can send us your questions or your uh, anything you want to add to the show by uh, contacting us there at DocsandJocks.com. Uh, we are on how online a good friend of Docs and Jocks, a good friend of Coach Hess who runs the Forge Abilene, uh, Daniel Manning. Daniel was a uh, 12-year NFL veteran who played the Chicago Bears uh, in a Super Bowl as well as played with the Houston Texans, had a uh, great Pro Bowl career. Danielle, thanks for being on Docs and Jocks. Hey, how you guys doing? Doing great. I also failed to mention a former ACU Wildcats for our Abilene listeners oh, yeah. who remember Danielle playing playing uh, ball for ACU. And Man, those were the days, Danielle. I really feel like you were the first wave of uh, players that really took that Wildcats program up to the next level, and now we see him playing Division One. But really, uh, you were the ones that laid the foundation for that program. Oh man, it was, it was great playing with those guys, and you know, having good, great friendships with those guys. Man, it, it was a tough journey. I mean, at one point, I think my best career was time there was six and four. But man, we got the guys. We had a great team and great coaches. And if it wasn't for those guys, man, I wouldn't have been able to play. Uh, in the pros. Well, we have one of those coaches in studio. We're here with us. We have your former strength and conditioning coach, uh, Coach David Hess, who now runs the Forge Abilene, but was the ACU strength and conditioning coach when you were there. And uh, Coach Hess, you and Danielle were talking in the off-air uh, time about a little game you call called Powerball. I only wish I could go back in time and watch Danielle Manning, Johnny Johnny Knox, uh, later on Clyde Gates, uh, Bernard, all those guys. Uh, playing Powerball uh, at the great ACU. There's more stories. When these guys get together, they tell more stories about Powerball than they do about their ACU greatest moments, and there were a lot of them. <laughs> we had a lot of great moments in Powerball, I'll tell you. Tell us to our listening audience, what is Powerball? What is it? What did you, did you it's, a, it's, a, it's soccer, football, rugby, basketball, all mixed in one. So you have two at the end of basically a two field, trash cans. about 30, 40 years oh. apart, two trash cans, and you've got to put what, a football in there, or what it's are you like doing? The ball changed sizes every week. We start with a small ball, worked up to a kickball, to whatever it was that I decided that week, and uh, we played with it. <laughs> so, Danielle, you guys took this seriously, this Powerball? 
Oh, yeah, we take it seriously. Anytime <laughs> the Christmas court, you better take it seriously. Yeah, that's and you're right. dealing with somebody like Cortez, man. You don't make it that way. Hey, it well, was intense. Hey, you know, a lot of you guys have come back, and I've talked to, I've had the, the real honor to talk to almost all you guys who went to the NFL from ACU. And almost to a person, uh, they give Coach Hess a big, a big kudo and a, and a big part and a big place of how they eventually got to the NFL, his workouts. Explain to our listening audience what was it about Coach Hess's Coach Hess's workouts at your time at ACU that really prepared you for that next level NFL career? Well, before, just the intensity, that alone is what sparked everything, the work ethic. And Coach Hess, he designed a workout, you know, for the whole team, but also for individual yeah. people. You know, um, uh-huh. he reached in and he taught me certain ways that my body, that I know I can get or turn my body or lift the weights I can lift. He brought that out of me. So, man, I found myself working out with O-line and D-line, yeah. not just DBs. So, you know, I took my hat to Coach Hess for that, man. That's funny you mentioned that, Danielle. Uh, he's, he, we were just talking yesterday. My son's a catcher and, and plays baseball. And uh, we were talking about uh, his off-season workout he's going to be doing this summer. And he said, well, I want him in here working with my O-lineman. And I thought, well, that's kind of crazy. You've got to catch your work with the O-lineman. But, Coach, has to explain why you take oftentimes football players like a Daniel Manning, who's a safety and a, just he can play any position, especially position on the field, but comes an NFL safety, why you uh, will mix it up and make him do a lineman workout sometimes just to keep it, keep it fresh. Well, and for Danielle, of course, he came in. Freaky. He, <laughs> yeah. I've heard you talk about the best athletes <laughs> best I've athlete ever, ever, yeah. ever worked with in my life. Yeah. And uh, you just put them with the old lineman because it spurs on the old lineman more than anything else. It, yeah. It's all about confidence. I mean, you build up confidence, you got it made. But old linemen have to be explosive. They have to be fast, quick, you know, just like a safety. Yeah. They're just not going to hit you. They're not going to chase you. But uh, And it's just, it's yeah. just more of a confidence builder for those old linemen to see, that, hey, we can hang with this guy sometimes on certain things. And Daniel's, mm-hmm. you know, of course, back then we were pretty good. And, uh, Dan, I mean, the O-line just loved Danielle. Yeah. And he played defense. You know, it's, it, it didn't matter. Well, Coach Hess, one of the things I've seen before, and, Daniel, maybe you can comment on this, I've always seen with Coach Hess's workouts, when they're doing them or watching them or what, how he puts them together, I think the confusion, the muscle confusion, you never quite know what you're going to do that day. It's always different. Never. In the NFL, you never quite know what you're going to do on any given play. You've got to be ready for everything. You've got to be ready for a guy that runs a you know, 4-3-40 to try and run deep on you just as likely as a, you know, a running back who's 220 pounds coming up the middle. You had to be ready for anything. And I feel like Coach Hess's workout simulated that pretty well. It, it did. Um, and like you said earlier, I guess it had to something to do with uh, confidence. I mean, I, I wasn't sure if I could do those things that linemen can do. And, but Coach Hess believed in me, and it made it fun. And he taught me something. It was easy to learn, and all I have to do is show up every day. You know, that, that's just what I thought. I didn't have. I really didn't have to put work in to show up. Coach Hess is going to do the rest. Yeah. And play, playing at that next level, it, it seems like the same thing. I just carried that over. Coach Hess, you talk a lot about Danielle being one of the. Well, you actually call him the greatest player athlete you've ever worked with, but. Do you think there's something special about the athlete that also has a mental capacity to take his game and be confident and be able to be mentally tough as well? You, you don't get that combination very very often in the same guy. Well, it's the guy that can walk around campus and just be as humble as can be and then put them on the field, put a helmet on it, and it switches. The yeah. gear switches, and now he's an animal. I mean, it's the guys that can, it's the guys that can make that uh, change. You know, you right. can't be – I don't know what the word is uh, – you, you, your meanness is on the field. You know, you can't be like kind of guy in, around campus or, you know, anywhere you go, family, father, whatever. You're going to want to turn that switch on and off, and, and he had it. I mean, he was 
as humble as they come. You yeah. never know you played NFL right now. If you talk to them right now, you'd never know it. Well, Coach Hess, you're actually quoting the Bible. The Bible talks about being a servant leader. You've got to be humble first. So, Danielle, I think that's where uh, the leadership came from, that humility you have. So, hey, let's, oh, yeah, man. Hey, let's talk a little bit about the NFL. There's been a couple of uh, safety, uh, safety rules that have come out just in the latest meetings with the owners. One of them, Danielle, you returned. Uh, you, were a, you were a special teams player, especially early in your mm-hmm. career, all the way through college, especially early in your career. I think you even took, o- took over for uh, Devin Hester, one of the greatest special teams players ever in the NFL. Mm-hmm. When uh, we look at kickoffs now, they just made the rule that you are going to have to have five guys on the right of the kicker, five guys on the left. They're evening it out. There's no overloading anymore because the theory was or the thought was that when you overload one side, you now have got, you know, eight guys running full speed with only five guys to block them. Three of them are coming through un- unblocked and going to be leveling a heavier blow to the running back or to the uh, returner. What's your feeling right. on the kickers? I think, in my opinion, well, it might make it more fun. Well, to be honest with you, I, I'm a little <clears throat> ignorant to the fact of how the rules changed. I don't know if it's totally for maybe the last play of the game where they overload one side and they're doing the onside kick. Yeah. You know, because most of the time in – it's usually five on each side, yeah. you know. Um, but I, I do see the precaution they're taking for the safety. It's a lot of dangerous collisions that's happening on kickoff, and maybe they need to change it up. And now I feel like that's that's a good thing to protect our league and keep our league safe. It's a, it's a great great place to play. And uh, but again, you can't eliminate all the. Those big hits, man. It's a oh, very yeah. physical game. <laughs> hey, we're talking to Daniel Manning, uh, former NFL uh, 12-year veteran, former pro bowler of Chicago Bears, Houston Texans. And, Daniel, talking about safety, I think you played one of the most difficult positions in all the NFL when you're talking about these new safety rules because right. as a safety, you know, you oftentimes you're coming across the field – you know, there's a wide receiver who's trying to catch the ball. You got to try and make sure you're not hitting a defenseless receiver. You got to make sure you hit him with your head up. You got to make sure it doesn't initiate the contact in the helmet. How mm-hmm. in the world, when you're talking about the world's greatest athletes who are moving faster than everybody else on the planet, how do you make that decision in a split second? It's it's got to be very difficult to play safety in the NFL. It's, it's, it's difficult. Um, they, they, there's so many ways that that it's come out to try to prevent that, but. I think when you taught that at an early age, man, it's it's hard to break those habits. Um, um, but I, but there are all, there are ways you can try to protect yourself and also protect the guys that you're playing against. Um, but again, you, you we're talking about a physical game. This is this is how football is played, and it's going to be very very hard to skim from that. Yeah. Yeah, it's an intrinsically violent game for sure. Coach Chess, when you were uh, training these guys and you're getting them ready for a for a full season of football, how did you uh, go about trying to prepare them for the toughness of football? Like Daniel said, it's a violent game. How did you try and prepare them to be ready for the the ups and the downs? That when you you know there are going to be times when you don't feel like playing. You've just had a big game the week before. You're still sore. You're still pretty pretty down from that week, and you got to get back up for it. How did you train that into them during the off season? Well, you know, and Coach T was a big part of this that. Our Sunday workout after a game was one of our best workouts in the weight room. So you hit it on Sunday we after hit it on Saturday, Saturday game. And wow. They had no chance. They had no chance to think about, oh, I'm so bad. This isn't, you know, we got another week to go. We I didn't realize that. that, really. Sunday was our best workout. Yeah. And mental toughness, I mean, that's why I did Powerball. That's why I brought it back in, you know, in 99. <laughs> I said, this will make these guys mentally tough. And they, yeah. were, they became tough just playing Powerball. But they became also bonded as a team. That's what yeah. I like about it. Yeah. And the guys were, that's how they, but everybody worked hard. That was the main thing. And I told them, I said, I don't care what you just do it hard. You know, if you go yeah. to the bathroom, go hard. You know, that's what I used to tell them. But just, just make it. You know, make it like that. Make everything that you do a hundred percent. 
Hey, Danielle, tell us about those uh, Sunday uh, practices after a Saturday game. That had to be intense, man. Oh, it was fun, but you know he. It was competitive. Yeah, he, he, we kept it that way. And anything that we were doing, if we were going home, playing on the video games, man, he said keep it competitive. If whatever, whatever it is that we're doing. Yeah, and that that kept us with that edge. So when we did have those uh, after the game, we'll come in on Sunday. We understood it was just routine. This right. is we we bought into what the team and the coaches wanted us to do. Everybody bought in and. It was like this is what this is just what it is going to be. This is just the way it's going to be. And it seems like and, you carried that over in your NFL career too, Daniel. You were known as a competitive player, an intense player, I should say. Kind of like I think of you and that intensity, that look about you is kind of like a Mike Singletary who had that at middle linebacker. But it seems like you carried yeah. over that intensity into the NFL. Do I? Do I? Did I judge that right by just watching you? You, you did, and you know it's a saying out there: you know, do what you're good at and keep repeating it. And I think that's the way I did, uh, I tried to play my career in, in the league. I kept trying to get better, but I brought over what I did in college. Yeah. And the things that I did in high school, whatever was successful for me, I just found ways to try to incorporate that on next on every level I went to. Hey, you know there's a lot of guys listening right now, Danielle, that want to be the next Danielle Manning uh, that, that makes it into the professional leagues or in the NFL by – you know, they're maybe a young middle school player. They're a high school player. Looking back at mm-hmm. your career after playing for 12 years in the NFL, after having an incredibly successful career at Abilene Christian University, being called the greatest athlete to go through ACU by your strength and conditioning coach, Coach Hess. Wow. If you look back at your career in those early formative years, if you're listening, if there's a high school player right now listening to this interview, what's some advice you'd give that young man that could help them along the way? I would tell him, man, seriously, don't sacrifice what you want for a lifetime for just a moment yeah. those those workouts wow. when i can get an extra five hours of rest man i'm getting up you know because when it's over with it's done you know you can't get this back you know you you either have you really have one decision and that's you have a chance to retire or whatever the rest of it those those coaches or teams they don't want you to play you can't play anymore right so take every moment serious and don't don't waste it on trying to get extra sleep. You can do that when you when it's over with. Well, Coach Hess, you know, you just talked about Daniel being one of the greatest athletes you ever worked with. I mean, that's the mentality that does it, man. Don't don't give up, you know, for for short term, you know. But you know, nobody knew it. Nobody you know, knew it, yeah. Yeah, but now there's one little story about uh, played Angelo State out there in Angelo. Well, when Daniel went back to receive a kickoff, the stadium just got dead silent. You know, yeah. It's like when Babe Ruth came to bat. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> one play, the Angelo State coach was yelling at the top of his lungs. He's the only one talking said, do not kick to number 11. <laughs> Three times he said it. We said, here it goes. Guy go. kicks a line drive to Daniel, man, and about 80 yards later, we win the game. You know, and it was, it was like that all yeah. the time. Do not kick to well, 11. Yeah. They kick it five yards out of bounds just not to kick to him. Yeah. So that's just intimidation factor, and that's, just, he, that's respect for a guy who, who earned it. But you earn it. If, and tell me right if this is Coach. When you've seen the great ones, they earn it during the workouts when nobody's watching. Right. They work right. out during their training when they're they're there and nobody else maybe showed up that morning. The intensity level they go at, that's when they really earn oh, it. Oh, Co- Coach Hess knows. It's, it's a bunch of times that I wanted to quit, but you got your teammates. And sometimes when I want to sleep in a little bit, you know, I mean, I had a, my firstborn in college. And it was sometimes I wanted to just stay at the hospital, but the coaches waited on me and told me I got to go to work. And I bought into it. My teammates were depending on me. And I had my son one game, well, what, a few hours before the game. 
Wow. Wow. <laughs> you remember that game, Oh, Cole? do I ever? <laughs> we were stressed that man. you weren't going to play. We thought, oh, man, he's going to have that baby. <laughs> They're like, Coach Hess, go pick him up. Yeah, we'll go get him. <laughs> yeah, Coach Head. Coach Head had to pick me up. And yeah. Oh, he really did. Oh, yeah. I, oh, I didn't know he really did. I just really made that up. Wow, that's so awesome. Well, so. Dee, do you remember the summer, that your first summer there, and we went out, and I was working with Dominique Rhodes, and you walked out, and I said, Dominique, do you mind if Danielle works out with us for a minute? We do a bunch of agility drills. and right. I, I bet it was 10 minutes into it, Dominique said, boy, You'll be playing on Sundays. <laughs> yeah, he he just, first day on campus. Yeah, I was, so this is when De- Dominique Rhodes is already in the NFL? Yeah, he's already in the, He was training for his next uh, he was and contract he year. And he practiced with Daniel Manny, trained with him. He said, boy, yeah, you're going to be in the made him look silly. Made wow. Him look silly. Well, that's awesome, Daniel. What a great story. I feel like when I interview the two of you and I talk to you two separately, I feel like you two made the NFL as a team. If that's, what, if if that's yeah, if, hey, I, man, I was right there with him. Those guys that I play with, if they got a taste of Coach Heads, I was like, yeah, I can tell. Yeah, you can just see it. It's so cool too that you all come back and said, "Hey, Coach S, you were a big part of uh, why I made it." And without you, I don't know if I'd ever done. I've heard that so many times. It's just a tribute to both you guys for being willing to be able to train that hard and sacrifice, and Coach S being there to give you the opportunity. Like I said, I feel like oh yeah. So, hey, Danielle, thanks for being on Docs and Jocks, man. We'll have you on again real soon, and uh, look forward to seeing you around, man. All right, thank you. See you All Tuesday. Right. Man, love you, man. See right. you too. Love you, brother. Thanks, Coach Hess. Hey, All we're right. right back with more Docs and Jocks after the short commercial break. You're listening to Docs and Jocks, brought to you in part by Joe Walker State Farm Insurance, Visual Edge, and Texas Sport and Spine. Touchdown. Now back to more Docs and Jocks with Dr. Dan and Ferris. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks. Great to have you joining us today. Hey, this is our last segment on Docs and Jocks. If you want to join our show each week, every week, or maybe listen to it at your leisure whenever, anywhere, you can go to Docs and Jocks on our iTunes podcast and listen to us anytime, anywhere. You can also listen to any show or any guest at Docs and Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com. So be awesome to have you there as well. Hey, uh, my co-host this week, I don't want to give a big shout-out again. I've done it a few times already this this week, but uh, Brandon Hawk. Now, Brandon's been my longtime producer here inside of our D1 – I'm sorry, inside of our Docs and Jocks <laughs> radio studio. I don't know. i got so many things flowing through my mind now because Hawk's uh, getting ready to leave this week to go to – Knoxville, Tennessee, where his lovely wife is uh, starting uh, law school. So he won't be in studio with us, but he will be uh, on Skype. And, uh, man, Hawk, I'm going to say thank you for the last uh, five, nearly six years, however long it's been, uh, being in studio and being my producer here and, man, running uh, the Forge Abilene Sports Training Facility and running, uh, working with me in, in uh, doing, seeing patients over the years. It's been a lot of fun, man. It's been a great time having you here. Going to miss you for sure. Yeah, I'm going to miss uh, all you guys for sure, you know, seeing you every day and, I uh, I know my family is very appreciative of all the opportunities that you've given us, and uh, we uh, wish nothing best for this place and for Abilene, and uh, we will definitely stay connected, and uh, can't wait to see what the future has for Docs yeah. and Jocks. And the Forge Abilene is in their good hands with Sergio Oshkone, and we got uh, Tag Deuce. Both of them will be Absolutely. taking over the Forge and helping us here in the uh, radio show, so... Man, those guys stepping up too. Sergio is one of the, he is the premier soccer coach in all of Abilene, uh, Texas. So if you have anybody in the big country that wants to come and get some uh, training in, especially if you have a young uh, son or daughter that's a soccer player up and coming, Serge played professionally and is just an incredible wealth of knowledge. And every person that I have ever seen come in here and train with him, uh, they stay with him and they love him and they act like they're uh, you know his. Uh, little uh, minions and so they absolutely love so come uh, check absolutely. out Sergio and you can do so by going to the forgeabilene.com and checking out that website Tag Deuce also played baseball at uh, Dallas Baptist when they were ranked number one in the nation and his brother right now plays at Dallas Baptist another brother just getting ready to start the uh, PGA 
tour probably after his time at University of Arizona where he's golfing. So the, that family's a well known. Just a lot of personal training. So if you want to do some personal training with Tag Deuce as well as Coach David Hess, who our last guest was, man, you can come do that. Also have our uh, the Forge Abilene Baseball Academy ran by Coach Scotty Sanchez, and you can come check that out as well as uh, the Forge Abilene Boot Camps, adult uh, ages as well as uh, college, teenage, all the way down to elementary school. If you can check that out, especially the summer hours right now. If you want to go ahead and mention that, Hawk, what's yeah, going on? Yeah, so uh, we have our summer programs kicking off June 4th. Yeah. Uh, there will be a class at 9.30 in the morning and then the afternoon class at 4 p.m. Uh, 2.65 for the entire summer. You cannot beat that anywhere. Uh, we also have a football-only class for the summer before two-a-day starts. Um, that's going to be in the morning time, too, as well. We will have all these schedules on theforgeabilene.com. But uh, love for your any of your kids now that they're out of school this week bring them by this whole next week let them try it out completely free uh june 4th kicks off all the programs uh at around nine in the morning so if you just heard our interview with danielle manning who played 12 years in the nfl was a, was a pro bowler talk about how his relationship with coach hess was the reason he went to the nfl him training him yeah the same guy that trained danielle manning could be training your young athlete this summer Absolutely. put it that way so coach david hess will be overseeing a football only workout if you want to doing the football he'll also be writing the programs for all, almost all these programs we're talking about this summer so if you want the same guy that trained all the nfl guys and by the way he's trained olympic track and star or track and field athletes he's trained uh, professional discus throwers he's trained sprinters he's trained professional basketball i mean you name it he's trained yeah. that dude is the same one that'll be training your kids and you if you decide to join us as well and so come check it out see what it's all about see a daniel manning the guy who played 12 years in the nfl had it right when he called coach Hester, the reason why he went to the NFL. Find out if that's the right place for you. You can do so by going to theforgeabilene.com and checking it out. But, Hawk, we're going to miss you, man. Yep. Going to Tennessee, so it's been a lot of fun having you in studio here with us, but we'll still be on Skype and doing it, uh, talking all the time and texting all the time, and you're growing the show out there as well. So, Absolutely. remember, if you're listening to our show and you wanted to, uh, you enjoy uh, Docs and Jocks, you can uh, try and get us on your local radio show. Just uh, just uh, contact us at docsandjocks.com, email us, and, uh, man, we'd love to have get on you on uh our radio, our, our radio show on your your station as well there in your hometown. I thought we could finish out this last segment, Hawk, by talking about some of the uh, last things going on in the uh, sports medicine world nationally. We mentioned uh, the Cardinals right now have a young stud thrower, Jordan Hicks, throwing 105 miles an hour, and they're also getting ready to get back Alex Reyes. Alex Reyes last year pitched for the Cardinals. I believe he was 4-1, and one, and uh, he had elbow surgery after he was found to have a Tommy John uh, injury to the ulnar collateral ligament of his elbow, the inside of your elbow, the one that stabilizes the elbow from bending backwards, that uh, he had to have that reconstructed. And so he is now getting ready to come back. He struck out, he's had two AAA starts. He struck out, struck out 12 his first start, 13 his second start, set a AAA wow. record, striking out 25 in two starts. And uh, he typically throws 100-plus mile an hour, too. <laughs> so imagine if you're going to go see the Cardinals for a weekend, you're going to see Jordan Hicks throwing 105 miles an hour. You're going to see Alex Reyes throwing over 100 miles an hour. Uh, Carlos Martinez is hurt right now, but Adam Wainwright with that nasty curve he's had. He's, of course, he's injured as well. So a lot of injuries happen to the Cardinals, but a lot of young guys coming up, including Tyler O'Neill. If you haven't seen a young superstar hitter, he's probably the next one coming up. He's in, he looks like a right-handed Bryce Harper to me. He's just one big ball of muscle. I think he's 5'11", 220 pounds, and he can hit a baseball a long freaking ways. And the Cardinals right now are doing really well, playing 20, they're 26 and 21. They're in second place behind the Brewers. But always fun to see young talent coming up. I predicted this wave uh, about 10 years ago when we first started Docs and Jocks. They said, you're going to be seeing some young ball players coming up, the likes you have never seen. 
because this summer select travel baseball is so amazing. The talent and the coaching exposure that you're seeing these kids play at a young age, they're coming up already experienced, already big league savvy. So you see guys like Chris Bryant, Bryce Harper, uh, Anthony Rizzo, uh, uh, Carlos Correa. It's just some of these young guys coming up are just absolutely phenoms from the beginning. I think Tyler O'Neill might be in that group. I know Jordan Hicks is going to be. Uh, Alex Reyes has potential as well. A lot of cool players uh, coming up in the young in the young ranks. Yeah, Dr. Dan, it seems like your Cardinals have been uh, establishing a, a young team that you know we kind of didn't know about after losing Pujols and some of the guys there that have been studs, Wainwright, you know, uh, Yachty. I mean, some of these guys are kind of on the outs of their careers and seeing guys like Alex Reyes and uh, the Hicks guy, I mean, you got two young pitchers that are throwing in triple digits. I mean, that's just unbelievable. And then flamethrowers, uh, man. I mean, you know, like you said, you know, in your day, if someone was throwing ninety-two, that was like very yeah. hard. I, I mean, saw one guy ever throw a hundred, and and uh, that was just a, a phenom. He was a catcher for Baylor that they moved a pitcher, and he threw hundred miles an hour. So. <laughs> But now you're going to see that pretty routinely in the big leagues. So yeah, I mean, it's just uh, I know you're excited as a Cardinals fan to uh, see these guys, and you know, hopefully uh, Alex Reyes, uh, his elbow is good, and hopefully he's on the right path. I mean, striking out 12 and 13, he set the minor league strikeout record, mm-hmm. um, and so hopefully uh, he's on the path to recovery, and uh, that'll uh, bode well for the Cardinals in the second half of the season. Yeah, speaking on the road to recovery, Dustin Pedroia former American League MVP, star second baseman for the Red Sox, has uh, missed the first 50 games. And remember, he had knee surgery after he slid into and kind of had a uh, uh, stress to his knee when he was uh, getting ready to turn a double play at second. And now he is uh, he is set to come back. What's interesting about that, the Red Sox now are having – and they're in a situation where they have to cut somebody, release him. And they're releasing a, a, a multi-year all-star, Hanley Ramirez, who uh, – really came to fame with the uh, Marlins where he uh, Miami Marlins where he started and now he is being released and uh, Ramirez is hitting not bad he's got hitting 254 I think he has uh, nearly 10 home runs on the year but he's being released to make room for Dustin Pedroia partly because if they don't cut him early I think they owe him another 15 million for the year if they keep him too long so yeah, you know, I'm seeing right here, they owe him 15. If they don't cut him, they owe him 22 for the yeah, next season. Yeah, <laughs> for the next season, yeah. Saving themselves $22 million, taking a little hickey with this year. But Dustin Pedroia hopefully will come back. He is definitely the leader of that team, both uh, you know offensively as well as in the locker room. He's just it seems like a guy that's very vocal leader. And he had a uh, cartilage uh restoration procedure so remember the cartilage on the end of your bone is kind of a shiny cartilage sometimes you'll have an injury or dent to that area and that cartilage you'll lose it so it's kind of like having a pothole on the end of your knee and so they go in and they sometimes will uh take make a little hole or incision put a plug in there which has a good cartilage layer on top of it and try and restore that cartilage on the end of the bone so they don't have that chronic knee pain that leads to other problems down the road so it takes a little longer to rehab from that and try and get back from that because you have to be a non-weight bearing for a period of time but it looks like Dustin Pedroia from all aspects of his rehabilitation has done well the Red Sox right now are on a they're on a record-setting pace I mean Mookie Betts right now is he is set to break the all-time run scored Record, which is amazing. We think about all the great players like Ty Cobb, Ricky Henderson. I think Craig Biggio's up there. Uh, one of the ones that was odd was uh, Sammy Sosa. Oh, the all-time great, all-time leading run scored in a season leader, Jeff Bagwell. That that one oh, surprised wow. me. I thought it'd be a on-base Ricky Henderson steal a base kind of guy, but yeah. Jeff Bagwell was the all-time leader. 
And so Mookie Betts is set to break that. The Red Sox right now are 34-16, and 16, sitting just a game ahead of the uh, also red-hot uh, New York Yankees. So we got the Red Sox-Yankees on top of the uh, AL East, as they always seem to be. And then, uh, you know, you got Dustin Pedroia coming back to a Red Sox team, which is already hot. I wonder if it's going to interrupt their chemistry losing Hanley Ramirez and bringing Dustin Pedroia back. I think the benefits of bringing Pedroia back outweigh that. But sometimes when you bring a player back and cut another one, it changes the chemistry a little bit. One of my favorite pieces of advice I'm going to take away from you is follow the money. Yeah. I mean, you look at his stat, Hanley Ramirez's stats, he's batting 254, six home runs, like 30 RBIs. I mean, it's not like he's having no. a terrible season. No. And so it's that $15 million this year, yeah. $19 million next Next year. Yeah, it's a lot of money oh. you're talking about there. So they cut him, and they have those, have some room to go out and maybe get a big arm down the stretch. You know, there's always those guys, those fire sales, the teams that lose, uh, you know, any hopes of trying to, to make the playoffs in the season. They'll cut guys. Rangers maybe in that category this year with a like a Cliff Lee or something like that might be. Yeah. Who knows? So uh, we'll see how that all pans out. But, yeah, Hanley Ramirez moving on. Uh, Dustin Pejoria coming back. It's going to be fun watching Mookie Betts see if he breaks the all-time run scored record for sure. The uh, catcher for the White Sox, uh, Wellington Castillo, now gets 80-game suspension for mm. testing positive for a performance-enhancing drug. What's interesting about this story is what the performance-enhancing drug is. The drug is actually uh, erythropoietin, sometimes referred to as EPO. It's the blood doping drug that increases your ability to make more red blood cells so you can carry more oxygen, which is the same uh, erythropoietin like Lance Armstrong got yeah. uh, picked up for uh, most endurance athletes oftentimes will do that because it increases your uh, aerobic capacity. In other words, your ability to exercise because you don't go anaerobic as fast because you have more red blood cells to carry more oxygen so you don't start going anaerobic, which then builds up lactic acid, which then tells you you got to shut down. So oftentimes you'll see this in endurance athletes. Why in the world a catcher in the big leagues would be taking erythropoietin? I don't quite know. It doesn't improve strength, quickness. Athletic ability, it improves your overall ability to exercise longer. Catchers, if they're running a long distance, <laughs> there's something wrong with your team. I don't know. You've all, we've all known catchers, but they don't typically run long distance and do endurance. It's an endurance sport, but it's, yeah. short. it's up, getting up and down. The, the only uh, question I had for you, Dr. Dan, was, you know, if Caleb's going to go one weekend and have to get in a select weekend and cl- catch like five or six games – is this something that's gonna that will help him with the endurance no, of getting through that? It doesn't prevent fatigue from short bursts of energy. It allows you to go uh, anaero- or aerobic longer. It, it, there, I don't see the benefit in a in a short burst endurance sport of catching and taking erythropoietin. I, I just don't I don't don't necessarily buy the uh, yeah. If he was doing a light jog all the time, but they're just squatting and getting up and down, they're not running. I don't, I don't get it. I can see it in cycling. I can see it in uh, running. I can see it in endurance sport like Spartan races. But yeah, I just don't quite. So he got it. he got some bad advice. Bad advice from somebody, man. If you're going to get busted for form sensing drugs, we know that anabolic steroids work, right? Yes. Yeah, Wellington, man, get your drugs right. You're getting an 80 game ban for a drug that did you no good. I just oh. don't understand where that came down at. Hey, the, the NFL already uh, has set down some new safety rules. The first one is linemen coming out of their stance are now subject to lowering their helmet rule, which means when they come out, they cannot – when they first come out of their stance, they can't put their head down. The defensive players were basically saying, hey, it's unfair that I can – I get penalized for putting my head down and running into an offensive lineman, but they can come out of their stance firing with their head down and hit me up underneath the yeah. chin. So now offensive players are subject to the same rule. Also, they are equalizing out. Like You can't overload like on an onside kick one side more than the other. In other words, you can't have 10 guys running at you know, 
five guys and uh, expect not to get injured. They've now said the kickoffs are now equalized throughout. So, do you uh, do you think we'll see more uh, touchdowns this year? Maybe you know it's interesting. Daniel says he didn't see a lot of the overloading on one side or the other, but you've seen on the NFL they'll kind of run a, a you know a side trying to wrap around. But I think the main reason you don't see many kickoffs for they're exciting anymore is that the kickers are so dang good they kick the ball to the end zone so often hardly ever run it back. So yeah. I guess when they do finally run some back, it'll be a, a better equal chance for them to run it back. But I, I don't see a big difference in the game either way on that one. So, but always like these safety rules to try and figure out ways to decrease the risk of having injuries, obviously. And I uh, want to give a big shout-out to the uh, NF- NHL, the uh, Golden Knights. The Vegas Golden Knights are now uh, in the plan for the Stanley Cup, an expansion team, the first time ever in any major sport to have an expansion team reach the finals, uh, whether it's the World Series, the Stanley Cup, the uh, Super Bowl, or the NBA Finals. Uh, so kudos to them, man, and their fan base. It's blowing up Las Vegas 500-1 to 1 odds of the uh, NHL oh. Golden Knights. Vegas is going to be paying out a lot of money if the NHL Golden Knights. It's funny. It's one of their teams that may blow up the Vegas uh, voting deal. So. Yeah, the hometown team is going to break the bank. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, hey, I want to say thank you to all our listeners here. I want to say we're closing out here on Docs and Jocks. I want to say thank you to all who join us each week here on our Sports Medicine Radio Show. Remember, if you ever want to contact us with your question, you can do so by going to docsandjocks.com, D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com, and send us your question there. Also want to say thank you for all our great uh, podcast listeners at Docs and Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X, if you ever want to subscribe to that as well. Thanks for making us one of the fastest-growing podcast uh, growers. Uh, audiences out there. I want to say thank you to my longtime uh, producer, Brandon Hawk, who's moving on to bigger and better things. Uh, we'll see you down the road here on Docs and Jocks. Hey, thank you for listening. This is Dr. Dan. See you next week.